When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Tortoise. Hello, it's Basha here, and you're listening to episode four of our latest series, Boris Johnson, The Six Million Pound Man. We started by looking at the story of an £800,000 credit line given to Boris Johnson, the former British Prime Minister, by a distant cousin. It was a credit line that was missing in the public database, and it got us wondering what else we and everyone else might have missed. And so we set our political editor, Kat Nealon, the task of investigating Boris Johnson's finances. So as well as our normal weekly slate of slow newscasts, we'll also continue to release new episodes of Boris Johnson, The Six Million Pound Man. Enjoy. I mean, obviously, if the, if the ball came loose from the back of a scrum, um, which it won't, or, or of course it would be, it'd be a great, great thing to have a crack at, but it's not going to happen. Boris Johnson has often tried to downplay his ambition for power, but rarely succeeded. So this moment left everyone scratching their heads. So bringing you some breaking news, uh, we have heard in the last few moments, Boris Johnson will not stand for the Tory leadership. This was October last year. Boris Johnson had entered the race to succeed Liz Truss as Tory leader and Prime Minister with great fanfare. But now he'd pulled out. Not because he didn't have enough support, he said. Despite the best efforts of the 1922 executive, the gatekeepers of the Conservative Parliamentary Party, to keep Boris Johnson out, we're told he had got the numbers to make it through to the round of voting where party members get a say. And that seems to have been true. And if it had have gone to members, it seems likely that he would have beaten Rishi Sunak, the man who the same people had rejected just weeks before when they chose Liz Truss. Before we got to this point, Boris Johnson had dropped a few hints that he might make a comeback. In his begrudging resignation speech, he invoked the Roman statesman Cincinnatus, who returned at the behest of his country for a second tenure at a moment of crisis. Like Cincinnatus, I am returning to my plan. And Johnson told the Commons, hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> a reference to the Terminator films, whose most famous quote is, of course, I'll be back. And there would be a certain symmetry with Johnson's great icon. After all, hadn't Sir Winston Churchill been prime minister twice? Yet, in this moment, with his supporters willing him on, Boris Johnson blinked. Did he really have a moment of self-awareness that he couldn't be the person to reunite his divided party and fix the country? Perhaps. 
but in November a story broke that seemed to make more sense. I'm Kat Nealon. You're listening to Boris Johnson, The Six Million Pound Man, Episode 4, Boris the Brand. According to The Observer, Boris Johnson had been in talks with a talent agency called Endeavour since he resigned in July. His earning potential was put as high as £20 million a year. And people associated with the legendary talent agent Ari Emanuel, that's the boss of Endeavour, had made it clear to Johnson that if he ran against Rishi Sunak and lost, his appeal to global audiences and therefore a good deal of his earning power would disappear. Boris Johnson had to make a choice. If he fought and won, he would return to Downing Street. In the short run, his money-making would be curtailed, but he could probably go on to bigger and better things. If he fought and failed, he could halve his potential income forever. A spokesman for Johnson told Tortoise, this is wrong, no such advice was ever given. But one industry figure from a rival agency told Tortoise that while it was unlikely Ari Emanuel had been personally involved, British politics is not the field he plays in, they say, the advice itself was solid. I'm sure somebody would have said to him, somebody who does know what's going on in British politics, if you run and lose, you are not worth as much as if you had just come out of office. Your value proposition is different as a former Prime Minister as opposed to an incumbent who lost. If you run again and get trounced, you are just not as hot an item. And how hot you are determines your price. The episode raises one of the most important questions for Boris Johnson, MP and celebrity on the speaking circuit. When a businessman is holding out the prospect of millions, far beyond your £84,000 backbench salary, who is really calling the shots? At the end of January this year, Boris Johnson's register was updated with an unusual entry, a £2.48 million advance for speaking engagements arranged via the Harry Walker Agency, which is part of the Endeavour Group. For the time being, at least, it left the impression that Boris Johnson's desire for money had outranked his desire for power. Here's his biographer, Andrew Jimson. It, to be a successful journalist it, it, it in itself takes a great deal of energy and commitment. And then, but Boris showed he didn't just want, I mean, if he just wanted to make, if, if money was what mattered most to him, then he, he wouldn't have bothered to become a, uh, an MP at all, which is very time-consuming. It's expensive in time, which means it's expensive in money. He could have, he could have sort of decided to settle for a Piers Morganish sort of life, doing telly and and um, journalism and books and speeches and, and making lots of being money. a performer, making lots of money. And he didn't. He went off. He did this grand flanking manoeuvre. Back when he was prime minister. In the wake of the scandals surrounding his attempts to save Owen Paterson from suspension for undeclared paid lobbying, Boris Johnson vowed to toughen up the rules on MPs' second jobs. Downing Street brought forward plans to restrict outside work to reasonable limits, with Minister Anne-Marie Trevelyan suggesting the restriction could be around hours worked. But after the row had died down, the plan was quickly dropped, and money being earned by MPs from outside sources showed no sign of slowing down. Since the last election, according to Tortoise and Sky News' Westminster Accounts Project, which revealed the amount of money flowing into Parliament, the total earned stands at £22 million. MPs' total salary for the same period is £178 million. While some MPs are making huge sums on the side, most are not. 
But over the same period, Boris Johnson's outside income of 4.8 million puts his taxpayer-funded salary of 469,000 pounds in the shade. It's a ratio of roughly 10 to 1. If he isn't receiving the bulk of his income from the people he serves as MP, who is his employer? Ari Emanuel is something of a legend in certain circles. Once upon a time, he was immortalised as the talent agent in the TV series Entourage, in which an aggressive and sometimes boorish agent named Ari Gold plays a central role. But one industry rival says this was Ari 1.0, an early iteration of Emmanuel's character. They add, Ari is a breed unto himself, a big personality, the quintessential fast-talking agent who is nothing if not a quick study. He is a very polarising character. He can be construed as a bully and a suck-up to anybody who is important. But he is a far more sophisticated person now than when he was a talent agent. It's the Elon Musks and not the Hollywood actors. He has upped his game. As well as Boris Johnson, Ari Emanuel's companies represent the Obamas, the Clintons and many other American politicians. But these are just a small part of his world. They have undue influence and prestige, which is why he bothers. They don't make him real money, says the source. Boris Johnson might be small fry for Ari Emanuel, but the same is not true in reverse. Signing up to the Harry Walker agency has dramatically changed his fortunes. But has it changed how he approaches politics? And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Some sources we spoke to suggested that Boris Johnson, a former Telegraph journalist, had decided against returning to write a column as taking strident positions for or against the current leadership could be problematic should he look to retake the reins. But he has used speeches to make political points as he did recently at the Global Soft Power Summit in London, where he criticised Rishi Sunak's new post-Brexit deal with the EU. I'm going to find it very difficult to vote for something myself, because uh, something like this myself, because I believed that we should have done something different, uh, no matter how much plaster came off the ceiling in Brussels. And I hope that it will work. And I also hope that if it doesn't work, we will have the guts to deploy that bill again. Because I've no, no doubt at all that that was what brought the EU to, to negotiate, seriously. 
Some people, like the former Conservative Minister Stephen Dorrell, question the appropriateness of Boris Johnson using a paid platform to make big political interventions. Who is he really speaking to? And who is he really serving? What makes me uneasy is the mix between the showman and uh, the, the politician. And there's a very specific reason that Tortoise has been examining why I think that's dangerous, which is that if you're uh, focused on generating income by being an entertainer in a space or having connections in a space, the suspicion clearly is that your public pronouncements on the political stage are influenced by your private self-interest in generating income from an audience. The key point arising from it is that the participant, the politician in this, if, you're, if you want to be a politician, you have to decide whether you're first a politician or first a showman. And if you want to be first a politician, then you have to understand the importance of being clear where your income comes from, where your interests are, and drawing the distinction between being a lobbyist and being a contributor to a public debate. People like Stephen Dorrell may feel these kinds of speeches are best say for the Commons, but Boris Johnson has never been a huge fan of the Green Benches. And now he has the added bonus of being financially rewarded without being heckled, while keeping his personal brand high. He is Boris the commodity now. Boris the entertainer. He got that conference into the limelight. The organisers will be very pleased. He's getting attendees to spend a grand a ticket or whatever it is. And not just this year. As far as they're concerned, he's absolutely worth it money. And it's far better that he do that than what David Cameron was up to with Greensill. Greensill was that obscure fintech firm which collapsed in March 2021. It quickly unravelled into a scandal with former Prime Minister David Cameron playing a leading and frankly unedifying role, lobbying former colleagues in cringy and increasingly desperate WhatsApp messages. It was another low moment in British politics. So the thinking goes, at least Boris Johnson's speeches are out there for all to see, right? That seems to be the view of those who have him speak at their events. On the Harry Walker Agency website, there are four comments in the section called Rave Reviews. Law firm Kessler, Topez, Meltzer and Czech says the former Prime Minister was Entertaining, informative, charismatic and really everything we had hoped for. They add During the reception and dinner, he was engaging and open and importantly, he was enthusiastic. He seemed to really want to be there and was enjoying himself, which means a lot. All in all, it was a great experience, and I would recommend him highly as a speaker. For this event, according to Boris Johnson's most recent register of interests, he was paid just over £266,000. £186,000 of that was deducted against his advance, and the rest appears to be new money. Now, Kessler, Topez, Meltzer and Czech might not be a household name, certainly not for British voters, but it does get involved in British legal disputes. For example, it represented a group of investors in a class action lawsuit alleging that the Royal Bank of Scotland misled investors about its subprime debts and assets. The law firm recovered £267 million for its clients. The entire settlement was around £900 million, at a time when RBS was owned by the British state. In other words, us. Other Boris Johnson reviews are similarly effusive. Brand Finance, the people behind that global soft power summit, made a point of saying, We're delighted with the coverage. His speech and his impact was even greater than I expected, and he was a pleasure to deal with. 
This event earned Boris Johnson £261,000, of which £183,000 came out of his advance. In total, those two speeches took him 14 and a half hours and earned him more than half a million pounds. Brand Finance, a major consultancy that operates around the world, boasts commercial clients including Vodafone and Shell, as well as tax authorities such as the IRS, HMRC, IP lawyers and investment banks. In December, another speaking gig arranged by Harry Walker took Boris Johnson to Singapore, where he addressed the crypto world at the Parallel Chain Lab Conference. The payment for this appearance, at an event hosted by a blockchain outfit in the midst of a crypto crisis, earned him £253,000. It was not long after that event that Boris Johnson registered his £1 million donation from crypto billionaire Christopher Harborn. Here's Stephen Dorrell again. I think it is the old definition of a smell test. And the, 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 one of the uh, issues that's been revealed by your work, actually, is the link between him and cryptocurrency. Now, that's a really serious public policy question where the Bank of England is very clearly of the view uh, that cryptocurrency is a threat to monetary discipline. Now, to have a former prime minister taking money from an advocate of cryptocurrency and that not being uh, only, only recently becoming uh, publicly known, seems to me there's some serious issues of conflict of interest there. This brings us back to some of the original questions we started with when we began looking at Boris Johnson's finances. Why do we know so little about the numbers at the heart of it? Where did Christopher Harborn make his money? And what does he expect to get for his £1 million donation? Who is Boris Johnson speaking to when he finally earns off that £2.48 million advance? Why, still, are we unable to say where the loan guaranteed by Sam Blythe, who entered the story thanks to a connection from BBC chairman Richard Sharp, came from? One theory working its way around Westminster is that the loan came from a commercial bank. Some even say it's a high street name, Barclays or Santander, which approved the original mortgage on the Johnson's townhouse in Camberwell. Or it could be a different lender, the Clydesdale Bank, through whom Boris Johnson and Carrie remortgaged that house in 2020 so they could rent it out while they remained in Downing Street. But there were other potential challenges that meant borrowing from a high street lender would have been difficult. Some people even say it would have been next to impossible. Sources both in the city and in Westminster have highlighted the fact that as an MP, Boris Johnson was a politically exposed person, what those in the business refer to as a pep. Peps are people who hold high public office and their family members, for whom banks have to carry out enhanced due diligence. That means MPs have to jump through extra hoops than the rest of us to get a bank account. According to one Tory insider, that has made life harder for politicians and political parties in general. MPs are finding it very difficult to open bank accounts at its most mainstream banks. They take the stance that since you're involved in politics, we're just not going to bank you. After doing all the compliance checks with interest rates where they have been, they cost more to service than a bank would make back. What would have made Boris Johnson a particularly bad bet, say some, is that after his divorce, despite years on a six-figure salary, he had no real assets to speak of. Here's what one source with knowledge of the banking world told us. Boris couldn't borrow from a bank. He was unbankable. Banks are really reluctant to engage with what is called a pep, a politically exposed person. So no one wants to bank politicians, and you are absolutely flagged up. But ultimately, the reason banks don't lend money is because they don't think they will get it back, either because of a lack of security or a lack of assets. In Boris's case, it's a lack of assets. 
A UK bank definitely wouldn't lend to a politically exposed person on the security of a Canadian. It would stink. A spokesman for Johnson told Tortoise this was incorrect. Currently, it is Boris Johnson's own reputation that is under the spotlight. The Privileges Committee of MPs is weighing up the evidence to decide whether he misled Parliament to such an extent that it constituted contempt. If they judge that he did, intentionally or recklessly, he could be suspended and potentially be forced to undergo a by-election. This could finally be enough to kill off his hopes of returning, like Cincinnatus or Churchill, to save the country from itself. But Partygate is only one part of the Boris Johnson story. It is, perhaps, one of the least significant, although it points to a pattern of behaviour and an approach to the rules that applies to so much else, including his finances. Boris Johnson is a careless man who doesn't trouble himself with details. But as we have shown throughout this series, when it comes to deciding who takes the highest roles in our democracy, details matter. Missing details, like where the £800,000 loan facility came from, why Christopher Harborn gave him £1 million and what that money is for, who Boris Johnson is speaking to as he earns out that £2.48 million with a little extra on the back end, and what do they get out of the deal? Throughout his career, Boris Johnson has weighed up whether to shoot for money or for power. He may find that choice is soon out of his own hands. This was reported by me, Kat Nealon, and produced by Matt Russell. And the editors were Giles Wattell and Kerry Thomas. Tortoise. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.